Welcome to episode 10 of Reflections from WT, the heart and soul of the Texas Panhandle. My name is Randy Ram, the Director of Broadcast Engineering on the campus of West Texas A&M. And I am joined today by the 11th President of West Texas A&M University, Dr. Walter Windler. Good morning. Good morning, Randy. It's good to see you. Can't think of a place that I'd rather be than sit in this studio with you and Cash. Chatting right with me. I yes, feel the sir. same way. Yes, well, let me start out by thanking you for uh, something that happened a couple of weeks ago. You awarded the Presidential Order of the Silver Buffalo to a, an organization that I advise, the National Broadcasting Society. On, on behalf of all of my students and myself, thank you. That's a big honor. Well, I appreciate it, Randy. And, I, uh, and I'm not... It, it's because of the good work you do. And the other th- one of the things that I like about the work that happens over here is it really is a combination of theory and practice. And to me, that is the essence of West Texas A&M University. We understand theory. We, uh, we work hard to uh, give global perspectives to uh, the people in our charge, our students. Uh, but hopefully we also teach them how to work. We teach them the vitality of work. And I don't care whether they're writers or uh, engineers or nurses, uh, uh, communicators. I don't care what they are. But we try to integrate the theory of the disciplines that they study and encourage them to work hard at them. And I just think that's an invaluable uh, um characteristic of West Texas A&M University. For me, it comes out of the panhandle. But that's a long way of saying you guys are emblematic of, I think, of what's uh, one of the great uh, attributes of West Texas A&M University. Well, thank you. I I was going to ask you later on, but I'm going to go ahead and ask you now since you brought that up. I, I, I think that one of the strengths of a regional institution maybe over a bigger institution in D1 school, is that we get to do more hands-on things. We get to do more things outside of the classroom. I know that I spend a lot of time with my students outside of the classroom, right. and, and I think that's one of the strengths of WT. Well, I would agree with you, and I think major universities can do it too, but sometimes they get caught up in being a major university. One of the things about regional institutions, that, and I don't have a lot of experience. This is really the first regional institution I've ever worked at. I've always mm. been at uh, national research universities, uh, basically D1 institutions. And there is something about the regional institutions, and they tend to draw more people from the geographic region they serve, and I think that's perfectly appropriate. And a lot of those, a lot of those uh, students come, and they they want um, uh, skills. Uh, they want to integrate their work life and their study life. Uh, they want those things to go together, and I I think we have a a very good shot at it here at a regional institution that's sometimes a major urban institution or a national or international uh, university uh, may may lose touch with. But we are serving the people of uh, the Texas panhandle. And I think their needs and desires uh, and aspirations are basic to a lot of people. Um, you've heard me say this before. If we serve them well, we're going to serve people from a lot of different regions well, and even from metropolitan regions and suburban regions of the nation, because what we're trying to do is serve people where they are. And that's, you know, that is critical to an education. We've tend to, we tend recently, especially in the last 30 or 40 years, to separate a university education from the place that it's located it's a it's a it's a very very uh, significant error in judgment to do that. What we need to do is, uh, in a sense, grow where we're planted, and we're planted right here. And these people, 
that we're serving in West Texas, by and large, nothing is ever 100%, but by and large, they want to learn to work. They already know how to work, but they want, well, want to learn to work more specifically. They want to learn to work to be a good teacher or a good nurse, um, a good engineer. They, there's some kind of pragmatism uh, that comes out of the ground up here in the Panhandle. Yeah. So, you talked about serving our region. And uh, was it a year and a half ago or two years ago that you visited all of the schools in Region 16? When was that? Was that? It's actually, we completed it uh, two years ago. Two years ago. ago. What's today? Well, we were not, uh, I'll tell you, the last school we visited was uh, Shamrock, and that was two years ago next week. Two years ago. We finished wow, it. Doesn't up. seem that long ago. Yeah. But you're getting ready to do, do another push to Region 17 this time. We are. Uh, we uh, we're in the process of contacting all of the high schools in Region 17. There are 70, and it stretches uh, fairly far south. It's a it's a longer um, toss of the stone, so to speak. We have to go a greater distance. But there's a lot of people in smaller communities in that part of Texas. Um, who may be overlooked, and I'm, I would not say anybody intentionally overlooks them. It's just that you know the mass of students are in the metropolitan areas like the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex, and it's real easy to jump into the metroplex and step over the small communities between here and the metroplex. But you've heard me say this; I'll say it again. There are people with important aspirations in these. Um, small communities that dot the Texas Panhandle and the High Plains of Texas. Yeah. There's no question about it. And I want to attend to them. Uh, I've told the story before, but uh, Dwight Eisenhower, the Supreme Commander in World War II that literally uh, relieved the world of Nazism by the, by the storm in the beaches at Normandy, he led that attack. Um, and then became president at Columbia University and then became president of uh, the United States. Eisenhower was from Abilene, Kansas, not Abilene, Texas, Abilene, Kansas, a town of 3,000. And he did all that from a small community. His brother also did all right and became the president of Johns Hopkins University. They were simultaneous. From a small town. Yeah, and, and from a small town. Yeah. Well, things are kind of quiet on campus right now. It's summertime. Let's talk a little bit about summer classes. I kind of like the summer around here, don't you? I do, uh, and I'm glad we still offer summer classes. As a matter of fact, I would uh, one of my goals, and we're going to start talking about, it, is to try to uh, get summer enrollments up because we're in West Texas, and because we value the relationships between students and faculty and the high-touch environment that we live in, uh, and there are there are fewer students now, so faculty can give those few students more attention, and they will. I know the faculty at West Texas A&M University, and by the way, um, they are as strong and capable and motivated uh, as any group of faculty I've ever worked with, and that includes some, some pretty big-time universities. These, these faculty and staff really are here to challenge, encourage, and serve uh, the students of uh, WT. And I think in the summer, students can get a really good dose of that. There's less distractions. I agree with you. you yeah. know, there's, it's a I, I like time. teaching in the summer. Classes are long. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. But we can kind of dig in more and we get to do stuff. Uh, one of the things I do is like I'll take them out to the radio transmitter that's out near your house, and we'll just go out there and visit that, and I'll talk about that kind of thing. So it's kind yeah. of stuff that I don't normally get to do. So yeah, it's, it's, little, it's hard to get to that radio transmitter now with all the construction yeah. going on there. Yeah. That looks like a looks like a war zone out there on <laughs> so long boulevard. The roads all to use a West Texasism all tore up, and you know, I mean, it's just it's a it's a, it's really a lot of activity. Well, well, let's talk about why it's all tore up because of our new stadium. I'm excited about it. Every time I drive by, I'm amazed at the progress they're making. Well, I am too, and thankful for it because I'll tell you what, we've got to play football on September 7th, um, and we got to whoop uh, uh, somebody. I forget who it is. I think it's Azusa Pacific, but we've got to uh, we got to whoop them, and uh, we got to have that stadium ready to do so. So I'm I'm very excited. Are you pushing? Are you pushing them? Uh, well, I what I say is, um, if uh, if that thing's not ready, you all better run for cover. <laughs> That's when I'm going to start pushing. Now they're working diligently, and I, everything's on schedule. Uh, you know, it's it's really um, it's working very nicely, and I'm very pleased with it. This. We have great constructors out there. You know, I'm an architect by training, so I tend to look at these things a little differently. It's like mm-hmm. when you walk into a radio studio, you see things I don't see. I'm an architect. When I drive by that thing, I see things that the average person doesn't see, and that that is well organized. It's um, it's moving along the way it should. Uh, the people are out there. They're working effectively. They they start early in the morning. You know, they start pouring concrete at 3 a.m. Sometimes I'm not, I'm on my on my way to work at five, but or after a little after five, but. Uh, they're working, uh, and uh, and I think it's going to be done. And I think when it's done, people are going to say, "My, oh my, this has had an impact. This is going to change West Texas A&M University." I think so too. It, it, it is. It's because we can build a campfire now, five or six or seven day times during the fall semester, and attract people to come here. We did that over at Kimbrough, and Kimbrough has a tremendous legacy. This is not to denigrate Kimbrough at all. But the fact of the matter is now they're going to be on campus and they're going to park over by my office and walk over to the football stadium. They're going to park by the engineering building and walk over to the football stadium and the business facilities and walk. And they're going to park by the um, Harrington, uh, you know, the College of Fine Arts and Humanities and walk over to the football stadium. So they're going to be walking all through the campus and they're going to see a campus. and They're going to say the first thing they're going to say is, gosh, this campus is beautiful. And the second thing they're going to say is uh, it's really a pleasure to be here. And uh, that's a good feeling that somebody will leave with when they come to a football game. I agree with you. I'm excited. I'm ready for that first game. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to uh, a young man that uh, has man, a very incredible story. We'll be back in just a minute. West Texas A&M University is... A student body that learns by doing and is always seeking opportunity. Talented and accomplished faculty that teach both in and out of the classroom. Programs that provide timeless information and meet the challenges of today's world. Facilities rich in technology as well as WT history. It's our alumni and donors that make the big difference and set us apart from other universities. With your support, WT will continue to award scholarships to deserving students and strengthen our programs, which means a better campus, more in-depth education, and a lasting cultural and economic impact on our region. Now is the time to strengthen connections support students, and open doors for tomorrow's leaders. Share your experience, share your heritage, share your pride. Welcome back to Reflections from WT, the heart and soul of Texas Panhandle. 
On this segment of the podcast, I'm joined by Kasari Wilson. Kasari is from Maplewood, New Jersey. Cash, how in the world did you end up at West Texas A&M University? Um, so uh, I, I had had problems growing up, and uh, one thing led to another, and um, family problems. I had to kind of, I guess, find find a new uh, find a new way out. So I guess me and my aunt had talked about just looking to different types of schools like boarding schools in a way and um, options were military school Milton Hershey Pennsylvania which I was really excited about because there's a lot of chocolate factories in that town (laughs) and then um, there was an all boys school did I say that? all boys school Virginia um, Milton Hershey uh, military school and then boys ranch came on our radar and I was like well let's look into Texas I've never been to Texas I want to kind of leave the east coast area and we was on a Skype call with um, my caseworker and then but next thing I know I want to say about within the next week I was already on the plane to Texas so yeah tell us a little bit about growing up in New Jersey um growing up in New Jersey it's it it was rough mainly because Growing up with my mom, I uh, I went through, I want to say, I went through something I w- wouldn't want any other child to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, whether, like, it was it involved neglect, abuse, uh, just a lot of um, physical beatings, emotional beatings. And uh, I just got really, really tired of it. And after a mm-hmm. while, I didn't know what to do with my life. I wasn't sure if it was something I did or, like, understand as a child children do dumb stuff but like um the way parents handle it like the way my mom handled it it was a bit overboard and uh so like growing up um after a while I ended up leaving my mom and going to CPS uh, child child protective services and then from there uh, my aunt found me in the system and she had fought for me uh, fought for custody and she took me back in but even though she took me back in I still struggled with things like lying stealing um, I kept things from her and mainly because I felt like uh, when I lived with my mom I felt like I was in more survival mode so I feel right. like that's the things I had to do in order to survive and um, I would never understand why I would do these things she never understood why I would keep uh I would keep lying and stealing from her and I didn't understand it either but I just knew like it was something as a habit I had uh, was a, habit, a habit I picked up when I was younger and um, I kind of I did alright in school but I didn't do good enough like the the breaking point um, for me when I had when I ended up going to Texas was I had an F in English and I remember this really really well I had an F in English and but I didn't fail any more of the classes so the school said you could still wrestle you could still do sports and I said alright cool but when I went home I was like why are you still doing sports you have an F in this class and I was like well because um, the school said I'm okay and then she had decided to take me out herself and this is like around the district and I was really upset. I was so mad. I was like, I was ranked number one in going into district and I was like, oh, this is going to be a, like as a sophomore on varsity, ranked number one in district. Like, this is rare, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, she pulled me out and I got really upset but at the end of the day, it was my aunt. She was the, the, my guardian. I wasn't going to argue with her over it and then I guess... <sighs> It was just a lot of build up, and we kind of got to argument about it because I wanted to get back into it before I missed the whole tournament. And she said no, and then we got into a fight, and 
um, one thing led to another, and it it was more verbal, a verbal fight, and then uh, she was recently di- around that time she was diagnosed with Lyme disease, so like the mm-hmm. way um, her lifestyle had it had to change. So like uh, she worked more, but she was always tired. She couldn't handle me. She couldn't always watch me. So she felt that it was better for me to um, get help from another place and uh, not her always worry about me and what I'm doing and stressing her out all the time, which I applaud her for. Like, I'm grateful that she sent me to Texas and everything. Yeah. Yeah, Cash, one thing about your story that really impressed me is how much you believe in forgiveness and um, some of those hard things that you went through, uh, you're able to let that go. Talk a little bit about forgiveness. Um, well, I'll definitely say forgiveness definitely changed my life because um, when I came into uh, Texas Boys Ranch, I I could honestly say that I hated my mom. Yeah. I hated my life, and um, it was just something I didn't fully understand. Um, I didn't understand my faith at the time because I, I didn't grow up in the church. And uh, when when my pastor Mike Wilhelm talked about, uh, he did a sermon over forgiveness, and it was one of the uh, scriptures, uh, not scriptures, um. It was one of the stories where um, the prostitute had came to Jesus and he uh, she was started watching his feet and everyone in town was like, why are you touching Jesus? Like, you're you're not worth it. You're we don't like you basically just shaming her. And then Jesus like, whoa, like, that's not how that's not what we do. Jesus helped her up and forgave her and blessed her. And um, right there, I kind of started thinking about it. And then my uh, chaplain started explaining more about it after chapel and it was funny because um, that Thanksgiving my mom was supposed to come uh, to join us for Thanksgiving and I was like I don't want my mom during Thanksgiving like I don't like her I don't know why you invited her I talked to my aunt about this I said like, I don't know why you invited her I don't want her here and um, she said okay that's fine we don't have to invite her we're not going to do it and then um, I thought about it that night the next day I was like okay you can invite her, but only uh, only from a certain period of time. Like I don't, I don't want her here all day. And so we talked about it. Uh, she came over. We talked, um, and it was a long talk. And then I told her I forgave her, um, and that we can just move on with our lives and uh, not worry about the past and stuff like that. And then from there, that's when I felt like there was a load lifted off my shoulders because, like, mm-hmm. I understood, like, just to be able to um, forgive and not hold any hold anything against anyone to hate anymore. Yeah, so that's it, huge. That's yeah. huge. Cash out. So after Boys Ranch, there, there you had different opportunities at different universities, mm-hmm. and you decided to come to WT. How has WT changed your life? Um, I have so much to talk about with WT. Um, I remember when I first came to WT, uh, the first thing I wanted to get involved in was peer leading. Um, peer leading, if people don't know what it is, it's orient is orientation leader. Um, we help we work with incoming freshmen um, when they first come to WT. Uh, welcome them, welcome their family, um, show them what WT is about, uh, what we have to offer, what to expect from them, what they expect from WT. And uh, my peer leader was Emma, Emma 
Eikhoff, Eikhoff, I can't hope she don't hate me for mispronouncing her last name. Um, but uh, she was my, my peer leader. And just seeing that bond those peer leaders had and just how they loved their job working with each other. Um, I remember after, after Buff Branding, the first, that Monday coming in, I went to the Office of Student Engagement Leadership and I was like, how do I sign up to be a peer leader? And they said, like, well, applications are out to November. And I said, like, okay, well, I'll be the first one to submit an application. Um, to this day, I always try to say I was the first one, but they said, no, you weren't the first one to submit an application. I said, but I was there. I submitted my application. And um, it, it's changed my life. And I, I'll have to say my very first memory um, where I knew that I was home was uh, when the admission counselor I had tracked me down to make sure I had everything I needed to uh, come into WT. I remember I was at orientation and I'd never seen someone so consistent in my life. Calls, um, emails. When I got there, she had met me at the uh, the front door. I was like, hey, you still need this? I said, all right, I'll give it to you at some point today. And I didn't give it to you at some point today. And then she tracked me down and during some random session. And I was like, Gosh, this woman is just <laughs> is just consistent, and um, and that right there showed just how much staff and faculty care about students to make sure they have everything they need to be successful and ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll say I definitely say the the turning point in my career at WT was being a peer leader because when my first year I was so immature, fresh out of high school, always late to meetings, um, always asked questions that was already. Uh, explained in the first place I was just this immature freshman and um, I didn't I didn't feel like I was welcome back because like oh this this kid just jokes around all the time I mean he just does what he wants asks the dumbest questions and <clears throat> excuse me do all these things and then um, I didn't feel like it was it was good for me to go back and then I would definitely say Amanda Amanda Lawson had took a chance with me and um, she welcomed me back. She's like, "All right, well, we're excited to have you back for next year. Here's what, here's what's going to happen next year. This is, here's the plan for next year. We're going to change some things up." And I was like, "Well, why are you talking to me about it? It's going to be my second year. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm still like learning things." And she's like, "Well, um, you're going to be a veteran. You're going to like, have new people coming in, and they're going to look up to you and stuff like that." And then as the years went on, she promoted me from just a regular peer leader to peer leader consultant, which is basically a supervisor over the peer leaders and make sure everything goes well behind the scenes. And that right there has grew my leadership and just um, her put me in that position where I had to step up and adapt. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't for her. It wasn't like oh he's immature. We're just gonna kick him to the side. And she she saw potential and she uh, put me in positions where I had to adapt and learn leadership and um, expand on my growth. Yeah. Sometimes we just need people to believe in us, don't we? Yeah. Gosh, I can say as a faculty member here at WT, someone that teaches, and Dr. Windler, I'm sure will agree with me. People like you. It's the reason why we do what we do, mm-hmm. and and we appreciate people like you. And it's just a it's a it's an amazing story. And uh, man, we, I, I I respect you a lot. And uh, so it's traditional for me to always throw Dr. Windler and our guest a curveball. So this one's going to be kind of weird. I know you both have grown to love the Texas Panhandle, but you both came from kind of the same area. Uh, What's the weirdest thing about Panhandle culture that you discovered when you came here? Okay. I'll, no, I want to defer to Cash. You go first. <laughs> um, uh, I have this weird thing. I hate the term fixing. 
Fixing. Fixing. It well, bothers yeah. me so much. I'm fixing to do this. I'm fixing to do that. <laughs> Growing up, it was like, I'm, I'm going to fix the radiator. I'm going to fix the electricity, you know? But now it's like, I'm fixing to do something. Do something. Yeah. Uh, that bothers me so much. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Wendler, what about you? What was the weirdest thing you discovered when you first moved here? Well, some of it is language, but I, uh, but the fixing doesn't bother me too much. We just used one earlier, and I said it was a West Texasism all tore up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's not a, but anyway, um, no, I, and it's not so much weird. There's a, um, there is a, uh, a, a kind of commitment here to not, not, not rushing to judgment on people, but rather allowing those people to perform and to work and to do things and engage and withholding judgment uh, until that process is, uh, is complete. And again, it's not 100% of the time, but there seems to be this cultural, it's almost a cultural imperative that says, let's see what this, this person can do. Uh, rather than oh here they come I know what they're all about I there is a it's a, it's a work thing I think and uh, it's a, I, I don't know if it's weird or not but it seems pervasive and uh, it's one of the great appeals to me of the Texas Panhandle. Well, that is going to about wrap it up. Cash, we are fixing to be done. So, there you go. <laughs> so thank you for joining us for Reflections from WT, the heart and soul of the Texas Panhandle. Uh, please join us again next time. We'll see you then.